Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Mm, scandal, <laughs> disappointing results. Mm, expectation. Mm, drink it in. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in the Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? A little bit heavy, to be honest. A little bit heavy. You? That would be due to the, the current, well, the tragic news, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same. Yeah. So for those who haven't heard yet, the passing of the great actor, Michael K. Williams. So yeah, I feel the same as you, actually. Very sort of sad about that. Yeah, man. Really, really hit me. Before, I mean, we can quickly talk about that, maybe. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. So, Mark K. Williams found dead at his apartment in New York at the age of 54, a star of the, of the TV, primarily, um, and a part of some of the great series of our time. Obviously, The Wire, Boardwalk Empire, uh, nominated for an Emmy for his role in Lovecraft Country. One of the greats, and by all accounts, an even greater human being. There's a beautiful tribute by Wendell Pierce on Twitter mm. about Michael K. Williams. And someone, you know, who, who went through it, someone who really went through it his entire life, 54 years. Yeah, I know a lot of people will obviously know him as Omar, probably my favourite character in my favourite TV show of all time. Mm. But also, I think the thing is, is that he played some of the best characters in other great shows right, as well. Absolutely. Or even if they weren't huge, very few actors have the ability to be the po person that you focus on whenever they're on the screen. Yeah. There are multiple actors on screen. Michael was just the one that you were watching all the time. Yeah. Um, in Boardwalk Empire and, you know, 
when we rise, when they see us. So much craft and love and um, thought and responsibility, I think, went into every single role that he played. And if you haven't seen it, there's a really good video on, on YouTube. GQ do these great things where actors break down their most iconic roles. And the depth that he goes into for each role that he played, I think really gives you a window into what he was like as a human being and how seriously he took portraying certain roles in society that I think a lot of people either got wrong or, or maybe didn't give them the sensitivity that they deserved. You know, I think a lot of people, for example, who would have played Omar wouldn't have given it the sensitivity that he gave it. Um, many people who would have played Chalky White wouldn't have given it the depth or the thought or the kind of background of what he gave it. And I think that he's, and you just hear some of the stories about the things that he did off screen as well. And, you know, like the, there was an amazing bit where he was talking about how he got the role for Bessie. And he's known Queen Latifah for years. They're really close. He refers to her as his younger sister. And yet he auditioned for the role. It's actually in that GQ video. He didn't want her to give it to him. And also so he humble. said that yeah. the respect, like as a friendship, that she made him earn that role through auditioning. And it was just, I don't know, man, just one of the greats, I think, one of the greats. And um, just- The tributes, yeah. The tributes about his humanity. Yeah, it's unreal. Like as a human being, you look at those um, actors who talk about those, that presence. You look at Heath Ledger, Philip Seymour Hoffman in that class, Chabic Bozeman as well. You know, people we've lost, you know, actors we've lost. And in each case, the stories that came out about them as the human beings they were. And I think it's no coincidence that people that invest such, their roles in such deep humanity are also great humans. It's just no coincidence, Ryan. Like mm. these people are giving voice and giving face to you know, people who in, in humanity don't get a fair shake in our society don't get a fair shake. You know, like what Michael K. Williams did for marginalized characters, it made you think twice about people. What was it Wendell Pierce said? His gift was he made you think twice about people who might otherwise pass on the street. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. No greater tribute than this. Yeah, man. It's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. But yeah, rest in peace and thoughts with his family, friends, loved ones. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, I suppose we should probably get on with the football stuff. And um, obviously, we're in the middle of a men's international break at the moment. I joined Flo and Righty on Righty's House on Monday, a rare Monday's Righty's House, where we talked about the Women's Super League coming back. It was the opening weekend last week. Had a yep. thriller in Arsenal Chelsea that we talked about. That's up on the Ringer FC feed now. We also chatted a little bit about England and then some behind the scenes stuff on yours and right is week in London which yes. I thought was really nice to hear <laughs> on tour because yeah, you weren't there and you couldn't do anything about it yeah no um, <laughs> I'll get you back don't worry I'll get your um, back on different yeah, podcasts <laughs> that's up on the Ringer FC feed now also yeah don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review please do so yeah be very kind and uh, yeah Stadio Outro's playlist for all the music we play out with we'll be playing out on a little tribute to to Michael K. Williams today. So today we're going to do the untweetables, our collection of players who you just can't tweet about without your mentions being a complete mess. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Before we do that, we'll touch on a little bit of some stuff that we didn't cover in Wright's House from the World Cup qualifiers. So let's get into it after this. 
Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars Returns, only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it! Believe me! She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte. Two episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. Let's talk about a couple of things that have happened in the last few days slash week. Yeah, uh, yeah. The most recent thing, which I think is probably newsworthy, is Weston McKenney being sent home after violating COVID protocols. On multiple occasions. When people start dropping the multiple... Yeah. <laughs> the, the language, I, I saw the word multiple being used and I saw it and it's actually two breaches, but still... You're right. It technically like, is multiple. Yeah, but, that, but that's, then you're, you're right. It's like when you it, it, you can... But someone's using the word multiple, they're building up for a big punishment, mm. as, as, as you say quite rightly. And so, so the story is that he was part of the US men's national team camp uh, in Nashville, and he broke protocol by going outside the bubble and also bringing an unauthorized person into the bubble. Mm. And this has echoes of what he did at Juventus, um, where he held a party where a couple of Juventus players uh, also attended. Landon Donovan came out before this news broke and said he was extremely disappointed. Yeah, on Grant Wall's podcast. Yeah, shout out to Grant. And Landon, Landon Donovan said, like, I, I made a lot of mistakes as a player. I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, that's true. Yeah, he is absolutely right. Because <laughs> Landon Donovan, with his, with his ability, the, <laughs> Landon, Donovan's, Landon Donovan's... No lies were told. No lies were told. With his ability, his career could have gone to, you know, yeah. even, to, to very great heights indeed. Um, and you know, he made an important point, I think, about how that could affect team morale and trust. And there's a, there's a thing about Weston McKinney here and just players generally. I think incidents like these really indicate as hard it is to make it as a footballer, it's even hard to stay there. Like, to make it to that point. It's very easy to blow it, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is because, you know, the temptations, the opportunities, they multiply. And I, I, I look at events like this and I think to myself, this is just a sign of how, how those opportunities and temptations keep multiplying, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the details of it haven't been fully disclosed. Mm. Landon Donovan, Donovan sounded like, it's been a while since I've heard such kind of big brother, I'm not angry, I'm just really, really disappointed energy. Yeah, but also, can I, also like not being funny, but that's almost like sort of, there's an element of like youth camp pasta type thing going on, which is like, don't do what I did, kids. Like there's an element of like, that's, 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 <laughs> you're, you're annoyed at that individual, but also maybe annoyed at your past self. I don't know if that's part of it. But also, um, let's get real. Where was the outrage where Christian Pulisic was jumping on fish? Well. <laughs> like doing kickups on endangered fish on holiday. I mean, it is interesting about, yeah, individuals' accountability and like mm. equality, equality of outrage. But I mean, from a footballing point of view, it is quite tricky because they've drawn their opening two World Cup qualifiers. He'll miss the Honduras game as will Gio Reyna, who's got a hamstring issue. And starting the World Cup qualifying campaign on the back foot with this generation of players in the, in the US, I think is, isn't ideal at all. And I think that's maybe, I think that a lot of people may add or kind of mix the two together with Weston McKenney's, the Weston McKenney thing and then the poor results and they'll lump it all together and it'll be a reason. Especially with all the positive I mean? momentum that comes. The thing that's frustrating, I think, for the US men's national team is the momentum they've had over the summer 
mm. and the results they've had, the positivity, and this is, it's kind of hitting a bit of a brick wall. We follow a lot of US-based football people and, you know, they're, they're a good crew. And yeah. there was an amazing, one shouts to the amazing Andre Carlisle, who, <laughs> who wrote, he wrote an amazing tweet saying, disappointed in you all over the Western McKenney thing. A dope footballer with an insatiable urge to party is a rite of passage. Stop wagging your fingers. We've made it. Saying <laughs> <laughs> so this is the final evolution of the men's national team. <laughs> also, Trouble Nicky responded saying, yes, I remember saying this back in the day that US soccer slash MLS will have made it when we have the gossip and scandals that Europe has. Do you know what? It's a fair take, actually. It's a it's fair take. It's not a bad take at all, is it? Not bad take at all, because, you know, this type of behaviour is a sign of luxury, gentrification, extravagance, like all the things that European football has enjoyed for a long time. This wild, yeah, the wild streak. We're not condoning it, but, but I mean, also, I mean, how old is Weston McKenney? He's 23 years old. It's a hell of a come up. You know, Schalke to Juventus is pretty incredible that he got to that point. And I just hope he doesn't jeopardise that huge leap that he made because he fought out of a huge chasing pack. You think of all the midfielders and all the agents looking at Weston McKennie Juventus going, mm. in fact, how about this? The midfielders looking at Weston McKennie Juventus, looking at their agents going, that, that man overtook me. I, mm. I was ahead of him in the pecking order and that man basically leaped the queue, leapt the queue, mm. or leapt the nightclub queue by the looks of it. But no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just hope that this doesn't destabilise the career that he's, he's carefully built for himself in the last few years. If I'm being brutally I, honest, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. I don't think anyone remembers this in a year. Or maybe they remember it, but ma- mainly for the memes. If results have been okay during the first bit of the World Cup qualifying, maybe yeah. it wouldn't have been or felt as heavy. But I think that, yeah, I mean, we're recording this against uh, ahead of the Honduras trip. So if they go and absolutely hammer them, then obviously it's fine. But I did enjoy the I- slight, I did enjoy the slightly sour comments that came out. Um, from the US side about the draw against Canada, the one old draw against Canada, because it reminded me of the sour comments that came out of the England camp after the draw against Scotland. Mm-hmm. And it's just this kind of like, <laughs> you get the draw against your, less, your sort of less heralded sibling. <laughs> then you just get so salty. It was the same. I was like, <laughs> and I saw the US Canada one old draw and I was like, this is such US England Scotland energy. Welcome to the party. <laughs> and the Canadians Welcome are just, to the party. The Canadians and Scots are just chilling, going, eh. To be honest, <laughs> a, poor, a poor result against, like you said, a less heralded sibling. And then a bit of a scandal within the, the space of a few days. It's everything you ever wanted. You're it's all your, it's, You've got it's, it. It's, yeah, it's all, you now all. have a seat at the table. You knew what this was. Exactly. <laughs> You've been elite on the women's game for many, many years. Relatively drama free. Yeah. They've had a couple of rogue elements, but you know, they fundamentally, have. yeah. <laughs> what elite squads don't. That's true. That's true. And uh, now you're getting a little bit of a taste on the men's game as well. And Absolutely. Mm, doesn't it taste good? Mm, scandal. <laughs> Disappointing <laughs> results. Mm, expectation. Mm, drink it in. Mm, <laughs> 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 Welcome to a lifetime of disappointment. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Oh, taste mm. it. That's what's on the menu. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, elsewhere, uh, talking about another little bit of a golden generation that's coming through Norway. Probably could have put more past Gibraltar, but an early hall and hat trick. Uh, they beat Gibraltar 5 1 with 44 attempts. Uh, Martin Odegaard created 12 chances in this game. That combination is, am- those two are amazing up front together. They're amazing. Agent Martin, keep feeding Erlen the, the good news about Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal. Football Club. <laughs> Check this out. Martin Odegaard's 12 chances 
is the most on record in a European World Cup qualifier since Optus started recording the data, uh, which I do believe was in 2010. I think it's still under the radar how brilliant a player he is. I think Check it's under the radar. Yeah. A little bit of a potential uh, trailer to the second part of the show. Only one player has created 12 chances in a Premier League game since 2003-2004. We know who, who that is. Think oh, that is? It's, it's absolutely <laughs> obvious who that is. Is it Ozil? Of course it is. Of course it is. There you go. Spain were humbled a few days ago by Sweden, their first defeat in a World Cup qualifier in 28 years. Yeah. Uh, another potential, not I wouldn't say quite golden generation yet, but a very exciting generation of a Swedish team coming through. Uh, but on the Spain side, um, a few games have been postponed in La Liga this weekend due to players returning from international breaks and having to undergo protocols. Pedri, who is technically still off, have you seen what he's been doing in his spare time? Play, isn't he playing at the US Open? Isn't it sort of semi-finals? <laughs> yeah, probably. And the doubles. Yeah, exactly. And the mixed doubles. <laughs> and the ball boy. <laughs> um, he's been making a Lego camp new. That, that boy, honestly. He's trying to make us feel too many emotions, isn't he? Pedri's like, I'm going to make you all feel. Pure you know he's, like? He's, things. Like, he's like you. He reminds me of you. No, not at all. He's, he's, too he's too pure. He's too pure. I mean, yeah, but you know, it's just <laughs> work, 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 work. <laughs> he just can't stop. Pedro's going to put three books out in four months next year. <laughs> expected books. Expected <laughs> books. Wow. Expected, expected books. books is a great metric. A couple of other shouts. We've mentioned Scotland before. Uh, Scotland got a win in Austria and uh, David Alaba had to walk over to the crowd himself and go and apologise. Van Gaal's Netherlands swatted away Turkey 6-1. Something just feels right about Van Gaal in charge of the Netherlands. It's so good. Like all of the clips that have been coming out this week about the videos of him talking to players and stuff like that has been like the thing with Frankie de Jong and the what are you doing? Frankie de Jong was like checking in with the Grand Prix watching Max Verstappen and he was just like you really watch that? It's just like, <laughs> I like lift it and uh, use it as a, as a, as a trailer. Oh yeah. No, use it in the stadio sessions. <laughs> um, but they were, they came out and scored, like scored in the opening minute against Turkey. Uh, David Klaassen opened the scoring and it was an amazing goal. Like kind of ball came across and Klaassen played a one, two with the pie. Klaassen almost like flicked it behind his leg. It was almost like a, it wasn't quite a back heel, but almost like, mm. you know, coming at you at this angle yeah right and you kind of flick it to your almost like a right angle behind like a Cruyff type thing like yeah a kind of like in, a in terms of Cruyff flick, flick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it because it changes the angle of the attack I it love was it was such a good goal uh, in fact most of the like Memphis's first goal was great as well Memphis got a penalty um, Sionchu was sent off just before half time but all of the all of the Holland goals were all of the Dutch goals were, were amazing um, and Turkey's poor form continues like isn't it so good to have the Dutch back isn't it so good to have the Dutch back like in terms of playing football which you know the Euros was thrilling as well mm. you know what listen Turkey I love you Turkey but you catfished us you uh, you got us good <laughs> you, know, you got you got a lot and they're not going on anywhere near any predictions I have at any tournament again yes <laughs> Tur- the one t- Turkey they're the one team bless them uh, shout out to all the Turkey supporters that wrote to me after the Euros, they were like, we're sorry, even we didn't know what to <laughs> <laughs> Never heard uh, such apologetic fans. <laughs> I know. Shout out to them. 
All right, man, a wild, wild couple of games. One between Brazil and Argentina. The game that never was. Yeah, that's going to be a trivia question forever, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose the second game was uh, Guinea-Morocco, but I suppose they were due to play the day after. It got called off due to the coup that's going on in Guinea at the moment. The actual coup is wild. The actual coup, yeah. Actual um, coup, yeah. The footage of the players on the on the team bus was kind of wild. I mean, imagine being an international footballer in a foreign country and it kind of collapsing around you whilst you're there. Similar to that Togo situation, isn't it? The African uh, Cup of Nations. Yeah. Wild. Probably with a coup, all bets are off. That's the thing. Exactly. The problem is, what, yeah, you know. However, the Moroccan squad managed to get out yeah. and are safe. The thing with the Argentina, uh, the Brazil-Argentina game was really bizarre. But Some people will not be aware of the full chaos of what happened or what didn't happen. So what didn't happen was the game didn't happen. Well, the game was there and then was not there. And the reason the game didn't, wasn't complete or didn't last more than a few minutes is because four Argentina players um, arrived at the Brazil-Argentina game and had apparently lied that they hadn't quarantined when there was a responsibility to quarantine. Yeah. Do you mind if I read this thread from EIF Soccer? I think sure, it's go a for it. very, go very for good it. summation of, the, of, of what the situation. So yeah. Emmy Martinez, Christian Romero, Emmy Brundea and Giovanni Lachelso lied about having been in England within the last two weeks in order to enter Brazil, despite their them playing in probably the most watched league in the world. Yeah. Anvisa, which is an organ from Brazil's health ministry, was alerted about this breach earlier in the day. They and federal police went to the Argentina team hotel to detain and deport the four players in question, but they had already left for the stadium. Brazil's federal government negotiated with the CBF, which is obviously the Brazilian Football Federation, and Comnibal to give an exemption to the Argentinian players, which was granted. So in theory, it should have been all good to go. Anvisa, meanwhile rejected this notion and headed to the stadium. They got caught in traffic um, and visa officials and federal police met with the CBF and Comnibal officials who told them that the match could proceed. And visa, meanwhile, said no chance and overruled them. The game had already begun. They took to the sideline to chat to the Argentinian FA. After those discussions, and visa officials and federal police marched onto the, the pitch and stopped the game. The Argentinian players walked off and visa and the federal police were still trying to get the four Argentinian players involved whilst the squad was in the dressing room. There was a number of discussions about how to proceed. The official announcement got released stating that the game had been stopped due to these four players lying and failing to follow health regulations and COVID protocols. Uh, the Argentina squad locked themselves in the dressing room and were refusing to let the federal police or and visa officials in. The match was officially suspended. AFA officials went on live TV denying that the four players in question lied about being in England within the last two weeks. Uh, The CBF came out and said that it was not their decision and they argued that the game should be played because they'd received clearance from the federal government. Right, okay, here we go. Yeah, go on, go on. The official ruling from the outcome will be decided by FIFA. CBF released a statement saying they were absolutely surprised by Ambiza's actions and that these matters could have been dealt with adequately way before. Reports emerged from the federal police that they arrived at the stadium 30 minutes prior to kickoff, and after a conversation with Comnibal, agreed to take the four players away after the match had concluded. Anvisa, meanwhile, arrived moments before the players walked out for the national anthems. They were told of the decision and overruled it, and then Argentina and their entire squad went home with the four players in question. Wild. 
Bureaucracy in action. Yes, but also a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. You know what? Sorry, just a quick one. This makes German bureaucracy look like an absolute breeze. (laughs) It does. It does. does. (laughs) A good friend of mine um, who I play football with actually, well, played football with, and a very good friend of mine still in Berlin, who's from Sao Paulo, said, they say in Brazil that the only part of government has ever functioned well is the health authorities. And these, right. they're like, he said, they're brilliant. They're really, really good. And they hold government to account. Their job's been so difficult because they've been, you know, progressively um, attacked by, you know, effectively, you know, we've got a populist government called Bolsonaro. So, and these are like really good. And this deal was cut between CBF, Combol, FIFA, all the rest of it. With no consultation of Van Visa, who were like, they're on the money a lot of the time. And they heard about this. And of course they, they pulled, not pulled rank, but they were like, you can't do this. So then it's a bit like, um, when bankers are putting together like a fancy financial package, you know, a big deal. And then the tax lawyers don't get consulted till the last minute. And they're like, hang on a minute. If you do this, it's going to break every regulation in the book. And everyone looks at the tax lawyers and goes, oh, you spoil sports. We're going to have nice big bonuses. And the tax lawyers are like, no, this is, <laughs> you're running a scam here. There are rules. And, yeah, exactly. This is, this is my sympathy, actually. I'm very sympathetic because, of course, to the external, you know, from the, first glance it looks like wow what's going on like is this some kind of weird you know Messi came out you know made very good point and said Messi came out and said look they've been in the country three days why at the last minute Messi's right because Messi processes from that perspective but the internal workings are that the way this deal was cut was so unsafe and it's not the first time that Commonwealth have acted <laughs> flouted so they, they held a Copa America in Brazil <laughs> at the height of a pandemic I mean these are people not the response about health either players or the wider public. So I do have a lot of sympathy for the health authorities here. Apparently, Christian Romero and Giovanni Lo Celso are to be fined by Spurs because Spurs did not give them permission to go and meet up with the Argentina squad. It's absolutely why Romero's just got there. Grown men. Grown, grown men, men basically grown... sneaking out of their bedroom window to go Sneak to the dormitory when their parents are <laughs> asleep. It's, a it's rave comical on like, the other way. side of the world. A rave on the other side of the world. It's comical to the degree of yeah. like, I mean, comp- compare it to the Guinea-Morocco game, for example, where yeah. like that is a situation that is extremely volatile and extremely dangerous for all concerned in that country. And we just hope that everyone is as safe as possible. Yeah. But with this, even though there could have been real ramifications in terms of deportations or arrests and stuff like yeah. that, it's a fucking joke. Like, it's a complete joke, if you think about it, that, like, four Premier League players allegedly were like, oh, no, no, we've not been in the UK in the last 14 days. <laughs> and literally a quick Google of the fixtures or firing up FOTMOB or something like that or Instagram. told you that they were or literally Instagram. fucking playing in the games 10 days yes. ago. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because obviously the health authorities no, have me. seen that. it's not me. Well, obviously, obviously the health authorities would have cross-checked that. Like, that's they watch Triple 2. Like, yeah, they watch Triple <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep fake. The one, the one positive of this is at least Spurs, at least Spurs can be assured that in Christian Romero they've signed an adventurous centre back. Because if you want, I mean, he, he doesn't just like to marauder forward; yeah. he likes to marauder to the other side of the world. Cross borders. If you want someone to carry out from the back, are you saying he's a, he's saying he's a cross border marauder? Absolutely. 
oh, where, where's Christian? Where's Christian? Oh, yeah, he's in another country. <laughs> you thought PK was you thought PK was bad. You always say, don't you say, oh yeah, I love PK. PK's always playing a nine. This guy's gone through nine borders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the difference is that you kind of expect PK to all of a sudden appear on the edge of the 18-yard yeah. box or the edge of the six-yard box. You didn't expect a newly signed defender to all of a sudden like go to another country without permission. <laughs> Yeah, anything else you want to shout out from the qualifiers? Oh, good. All good. Yeah, yeah let's get into it. All right, then. Let's get into the untweetables after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man. The untweetable 11. Yes. There are certain players that you just cannot tweet about because it's just not worth it. It's just not worth sticking your head above the digital parapet. If you want a quiet life, you don't tweet about certain players. To be honest, if you want a quiet life, you don't tweet about anything. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, unless it's cat videos. Fair. Fair. Cat videos, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the requirements for our untweetable 11 are it's a men's 11 they have to still be currently playing yeah these players are a collection an assorted collection of scapegoats fall guys whipping boys pinatas whatever you call it people people come on twitter to download rage frustration disappointment of these players frequently encouragement but also just there's a sense of there's there's always there's always some element of anger or animosity when when you when you tweet about these players um I thought in terms of formation, let's go for a 4-3-3, if that's all right. Perfect. Yeah. One thing I would say is that, that you know, your mentions when you tweet about these players may, may descend into arguments about their numbers. Yeah. But one yes. thing that is not in doubt is your own numbers whenever you tweet about these players. Yes, exactly. This is a disclaimer. This podcast is not an encouragement to tweet about these players. 
I know that's like saying, don't think about an elephant, because now you thought about an elephant. But this, this podcast is not assuredly an encouragement to tweet about these players. Do you know what? I might uh, hit up the um, super secret stadio admin and see if they can post. <laughs> I might see if they can post just just the names of the players in single tweets in a thread, one after the other. <laughs> just, see, <laughs> just see what happens. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, goalkeeper. Who is the untweetables goalkeeper? Who have you got? I've got my suggestion. Norris Carrius. Do you? That's interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. I didn't have Carrius for mine. To be honest, I think this is one of the only positions that isn't taken up by an Arsenal or a Barcelona player. <laughs> oh, God. Or a former Arsenal. Anyone who, or players who haven't played for Arsenal or Barcelona at any point in their career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had David De Gea in goal. I, mm. That's interesting because De Gea has been catching it from other fans for a long time for whatever reason. And now that he's not at his best, or now that he's well below his best, he's getting it more broadly. The weird thing about him, I think he's con- there's consensus about his decline. That's the reason I don't think he's untweetable. There's consensus about his decline. That's fair. But then you also get people defending his record and then people chiming in about his wages. So yeah, there's a lot true. there. It's not just there's a lot. There's a lot. It's not there's a form. lot there. There's a lot there, yes. I'm happy to go with Carius, though. Yeah, Carius is untweetable because, you know, it was difficult. So Mignolet uh, was there, but they felt they needed more than a shot stop at Liverpool, so they went for Carius. You know, Carius, fine goalkeeper, actually. Great reputation in Germany. Came to Liverpool and, you know, varied form, but was getting there, was getting somewhere. You know, he was good enough to go to the final of the Champions League. And the horror and the tragedy that came out was, you know, he took that huge forearm to the head from Ramos, which was unseen mm. by referees which frankly, I think should have got Ramos a red um, in the Champions League final. Ramos didn't get a red. And as we know, Carius made a really bad error um, on two occasions. Understandably. And, and, you know, the, the, and they came out months later that he was actually probably concussed. Mm-hmm. And of course, Carius's career imploded, but a lot of people didn't see the follow-up report. They didn't see it. And so, of course, Carius then goes on loan to Besiktas, makes a horrifying error at the beginning of um, is it in a preseason game, which mm. goes viral on social media, and everyone's like, "Am oh I going to carry us? What a joke!" But this individual confidence was absolutely shattered from an incident, a pivotal incident. It was not Carris's fault. I think is still paying the price for that. And I don't know if your confidence really recovers from a blow that big because you saw even after the Champions League final, when he's going up to the crowd and apologising and like shaking his head and 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 he's sobbing, and I'm like, "My goodness, this man has suffered. He's suffered for something that wasn't his fault." Yeah, totally. kind it, reminds of me, it reminds me a little bit of when, you know, tabloid papers run a massive splash on the front page and it's actually factually incorrect. And then they write the correction on a tiny bit in the bottom corner of like page 13. Months later, months yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the thing that I think happened with Carrius. But I want to clarify one thing before the start of this, because like none of these suggestions are us poking fun at the individual players. It's more about how the response to them, the, the response, response to them. To them yeah. yeah. And I think with Carrius, I think that he was never going to be. Um, Alison, hundred percent, yeah, or a Manuel Neuer, or a you know um, Edison, or any of the great keepers. However, he's not a dreadful goalkeeper by any no. means. Probably suffered a little bit from the the scrutiny that was involved at being at a club like Liverpool. If he'd been at a, a lower profile team, let's say, I don't think the discourse around him would be anywhere near what it was. But on, but that's, that's kind of happens with his visibility, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's part of the course. I think the thing the thing Caris is. He was obviously good enough to get Liverpool all the way to that final. 
I kind of mentioned him because it was a bit of a, do you remember the disrespected 11, which is a similar kind of thing in a historical context? There's an overlap, a slight overlap between the disrespected 11 and the, um, because these are all very good footballers. There's a slight overlap between the disrespected 11 and the untweetable 11. I agree. And I feel like, you know, Carriers deserves a place. And I, I wanted to start with him because I feel like this podcast is a kind of, yeah, it's fun and it's funny, but it's bittersweet. So I thought it'd be nice to start with a bittersweet name. I'm all right with that. Loris Carriers and goal. Where do you want to go now? Let's go to right back. right back. Yeah. Who do you have for right back? <laughs> Could be only one. Go on. Sergio Roberto. He's the Rorschach test of right backs. When you look at Sergio Roberto, you know that you look at a Rorschach test, you see something which reveals your own psyche or whatever. I feel like he reveals people's, he, he is the result of so many projections. Like he's there for so many of Barca's greatest moments in the last six years and also the emblem of disappointments. So he's responsible for, in some part, the lack of pace that allowed them to be attacked so relentlessly in games like the Roma elimination of the Champions League. And he's there as an emblem of a player with a contract too big that Barca should shift him, right? You know, he's an emblem of all that is best and worst about Barca. He's also an emblem of the treble, you know, a sign of the Luis en- the heir to Luis Enrique who could play multiple positions. He was a player who was loved being a utility player and then hated, like Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's fullback. Um, his career was dead and then it was alive, then it was dead again, you know? So I feel like, you know, Sergio Roberto is, he's bigger than, you think about the unintweetable player, they're bigger than themselves, right? They represent something like Sergio Roberto represents the decline. He represents a player who in many eyes is a very good squad player, but should, was, is, is ruthlessly, relentlessly overpromoted, and is a, a sign of an uneven squad. So yeah, he's, he's my right back. That's interesting because I went for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, Which, yes. For a very similar reason in a way. Right. But I also think that the thing about Ainsley Maitland-Niles is that, and to be honest, most of the Arsenal suggestions that I've put in this lineup, it's never really about them a lot of the yes. time. Or sometimes the, the, the original discussion starts with them, but then it descends into this huge, deep well of existentialism and <laughs> contract breakdown and philosophy and it's just like nah man all I wanted to say was just I think Ainsley Maitland-Lars had a good game <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's it's it like Aaron, Wan- Aaron Wan-Bissaka almost got in here Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a good shout actually uh, maybe even better shout because Aaron Wan-Bissaka you know what's the, what's the take on him 50 million pound right back who can't get a game for England now the thing is there with that analysis is that there are three world class right backs in different contexts currently ahead of him in the England queue. Rhys James, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kieran Trippier. These are outstanding right backs. Play four. Play if you can play three, well, you can play four. To be honest, I agree with that analysis. Yeah. Right back, Aris. Rhys James is a false nine. <laughs> Just play them all. There was another shout that I had though. Uh, and it was Nelson Semedo. Oh my goodness. He's absolutely untweetable. He's un- No, he's truly untweetable. Because he's truly untweetable. I can't think of a player who had such a rapid arc, let's say. You're right, you know. The game against Bayern in the Champions League, I saw a couple of very high-profile journalists writing tweets that they probably shouldn't have written about a professional footballer in a Champions League. Alfonso Davies got a lot of praise for that performance in the 8-2. I actually think some of it was, over, was um, overstated because Nelson Semedo's position was so, his positioning was so devoid of confidence mm-hmm. that he made it extremely easy for a player to get on the byline. You know, watching that, there's that, that, that iconic moment when he's standing opposite 
Samedo never goes, oh my goodness, look what he shook him down. Like Samedo gives him 10 yards of room, Ryan. Mm -hmm. 10 yards of room. And that is, that is the position of a player who has progressively lost confidence over time to the point where it's now, it's, it's easy for, for Davies. And that's not a criticism of Samedo. It's more a conversation about this individual stepped into the breach behind, you know, a peak Sergio Roberto done very good to that point. And crucially, a Danny Alves. And the expectation of Semedo was that he would do more. Roberto, in a way, benefited from the low expectations on the Barca right flank. Mm. When Semedo came in, there was an expectation that he would be a playmaker, a combination. There has only ever been one Danny Alves and there only ever will be one Danny Alves. Yep. You show me another fullback anywhere in the world who was able to do 40-yard pass and volley with Leo Messi, cross-field 40-yard. The understanding that Danny Alves had with Leo Messi is still... It is still underrated and understated. It's not, we haven't fully, I don't think we have fully, as football fans, understood the brilliance of that combination. I still don't think we get it because it's unnatural to us, a fullback and a kind of false nine slash winger combined like that. It, it hadn't really happened before and it won't happen again. It, it won't happen again. Like imagine, imagine peak Carlos Alberto and peak Pele combining like that for 10 years in European football. That, that, that's the only other comparison I can think of. Carlos Alberto and Yeah, Tony. it's wild. Yeah. So, so Semedo, basically, he was held against that standard and that's why it's so unfair. And that's why that pressure must have contributed to how his career went. So who do you want to pick? I think Semedo, actually. Yeah. Just because of what's, yeah, I think if we look at the untweetable over the course of the last few years, I think it's Nelson Semedo, I'd say. The reason why I know Semedo's untweetable is because I'm afraid of even praising him in a take, in a hypothetical tweet. I mentioned a tweet just then and I'm like, I'm even afraid to think, I'm afraid to send a qualified tweet in praise of him. And that is why he's untweetable. Fair. He's in. He's in. Tomato. Yep. Yep. Oh God. Left back. I've gone for the most untweetable player in the most untweetable position. Is it Jordi Alba? No, it's not. Because you know my other one. You know who he is really. You know, but you don't know. And you'd be like, oh, that's a bit of a cheat. But no, I have to put him there. I put Granit Xhaka there. No, you can't put Granit Xhaka at left back. Why? Because he was put there and then he was hated even more there. If not possible. Because he's going in midfield. <laughs> no, he's not going in midfield. Oh, wow. He's not going there. He's not going there. Yeah, he's not. He's not going in midfield? No, he's not. Oh, well, that's, that's messed up my absolutely colossal Javi and Iniesta level of untweetable midfield pairing. <laughs> I've got an, I've got an untweet. I think I've got an untweetable. I think in the context of the last three, four years, in terms of untweetable, like division of opinion, of a player that was amazing, then terrible, then amazing again. I've got a player who goes ahead of Granit Xhaka in terms of the division of opinion on a broader football level. Like, as in, I think there might be, they might have to, like, put, they, they might have to put certain areas of Twitter under martial law if this player gets accolades. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? This is, such a, this is such a galaxy brain take. I'm here for it. Xhaka at left back is so apocalyptic that it makes people angry at themselves. Not just, not just people, you know when you send a tweet and it's like... <laughs> Do you know what? The thing is, he wasn't even that, that bad at left back. Of course, but this is the thing. It's not about that. It's about things bigger than that. It's, about it's like bigger. I said before. It's, it's like... There we go. With the Ainsley Maitland and Niles thing, when you just want to tweet about that he, he did okay and it descends into this kind of like, yeah, but what is time? That's my point. Now, I think Chaka at left back is a Nexus event. I truly think if you put an individual, I think because there was a player who was already 
so disliked and despised by many parts of the Arsenal fan. And we're not going to get the merits of that, but so despised. And then when he arrived at left back by, under successive managers, under Emery and Arteta, it was almost like, you're now, this is now satire. You, you know that we already have an issue with this individual. <laughs> oh my God. It does all feel like the footballing equivalent of the death of Starling a little bit. To be honest, football, Arsenal Football Club, the men's side of the club specifically, does feel like a bit of a footballing the death of Starling. Armando Iannucci is actually ghost directing <laughs> the, Arsenal, the Amazon Prime thing. I dread to think who is ghost directing this, this team or who would coach this team run tweetables, but certainly I think. The attack at left back for me just gives me all the vitamins. You take a player who is already like, there's, there's so much scorn. And then you move him into in a, an in unfamiliar in position. A, in an incarnation that like he didn't ask for, was willing, was willing to do the job. For me, it's Chakra left back. But that, you know, I'm willing to. That is, the, you know, that is very like, he didn't ask for it. He's doing a job to help the team. And yet he knows he's going to get even more shit for it. Absolutely. And there's something sacrificial about some of these roles that people do because, again, Roberto played anywhere he was asked to play. But also, if you think about Xhaka at the moment as well, like, you know, you've got the added element of the red card against Manchester City, the going away on international duty, the getting COVID, the, the revelation that he's not been vaccinated and he hasn't, he's decided not to be vaccinated yet. Mm. There's so much. There's so much. There is so much. There's the throwing of the armbands, the, the stuff with the Arsenal crowd, then the redemption then the game in the Euros where everyone was just like, holy shit, Jack is amazing. The fact that he's like, I said, I wrote that tweet that time. Do you remember when I wrote that thread about Jack yeah. and I instantly regret it. He's the captain of the untweetable 11. He's the captain. Yeah. I think he might be. He has to be the captain. All right. I, I'm happy. I, I actually think that that is what you've done there is extremely clever. It's so hot. It's such and, a hot take, uh, but I think it's, yeah, yeah. That is, that is why you are the, Better educated one of the pair of us. <laughs> Don't get started on that. <laughs> I heard you at Marty's um, house. You're like, oh, he gets away with it. He just says, it. you're like, oh, oh yeah. What, wait, 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 yeah. what, what did he say? What, what, what? Okay. All right. We're going for centre backs. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, it's clear who this is. It's clear who the first name out my lips is. Go on. Dejan Lovren. Yeah. Dejan Lovren. Actually, there's a surprising amount of Liverpool players in here, isn't there? Yeah. Or ex-Liverpool, sorry. Yeah. I think uh, when you have a player who has taken his country to a World Cup final, having to go on social media and defend his defensive record, then you know that you're untweetable. When, yeah. when, when you're that player and you have to do that, you know you're untweetable. When you are pulling for the, your statistical breakdown as opposed to a guy who's got you as this profile picture. Yeah, right, right. When it's you. Who's, who's quote tweeting Opta. Whereas you have like Tony, you have Tony Crows. Tony Crows basically goes on social media and it's like, he was actually a good candidate for this, to be honest, untweetable. Um, there was a really funny moment where... Um, Someone tweeted him and said, oh, Tony Kroos is overrated. And he quote tweeted and he goes, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> it was brilliant. But um, yeah, I think Lovren, this is a player who had to keep an extremely high line. He was a good defender, a very good defender, and suffered, I think, because of positional demands made on him, which his teammates were absolutely aware of, and which Jurgen Klopp was intimately aware of, well aware of, which is why he played so many games for Liverpool. And, you know, did very well for them in many games and was someone who really was a victim of so many of the ravages of social media, like social media cutting up, chopping clips and those clips going viral. You could have a brilliant game and have one slip and everyone would come mm -hmm. for you. The problem with being a defender is you can't redeem yourself like a striker can. So for me, Lovren goes in there as one of the centre-backs. Cannot argue with that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next centre-back, next centre-back. 
This is a sad one, actually. Oh, is it really sad? Are you going to bring the mood down? Yeah, it is a bit sad. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really well, sad. Do you want to go first and then I'll come with some comic relief? Samuel on TT. Ah, see, I was thinking about Umtiti. He's in it for me. Well, he's my choice only because he is untweetable now because I think the spectacular disappointment of what he could have been, everyone knowing that the only thing stopping Umtiti from being one of the great defenders of his generation was injury. And that's exactly what happened to him. And then injury issues have already been operated on and the salary requests, requirements, and him desperately trying to recover fitness, but never quite working but then becoming part of this kind of toxic conversation about who didn't take pay cuts to keep Messi. And a lot of that, you know, Messi, you know, Umtiti getting booed at games. Yeah, so I think Umtiti became an untweetable in spite of himself. I've thought about Umtiti. I also thought about Clement Longley, but I think there's a lot more consensus about Longley. I think that's right. And that's right, actually. Yeah, I think it's right. However, I wanted to steer clear of a Barcelona centre-back because I think, and also the injury aspect of the Umtiti thing, I think is, that's a genuine argument that you can kind of be like, listen, there's so many unknowns here because of the injuries. Completely. The thing is, part of my thinking here is a lot of the players that we'll pick for this, I think will be Premier League players or have played in the Premier League for a substantial amount of time because I just think that there are more eyes on it. Mm. And therefore, I think that adds to the level of untweetableness. Yes, yes, yes. Untweetability. 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 Yes, yes. Um, That should be a stat on FIFA, shouldn't it? (laughs) And... And actually, I think that there are a lot of people who just don't really, who aren't really aware of the whole situation with Samuel and TT. Yes. So the one that I was going to suggest was David Louise. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yes, and okay, that's brilliant. That's better, that's better. Because it's opinion, it's fact, it's statistics, it's trophies, it's, let's get real, it's a shit show tweeting about David Louise. <laughs> because you oh. have a number of people who were completely going after <laughs> oh, Arsenal, Arsenal Football Club had become that they, had, they were relying on David Louise as a centre-back last season. Yeah, There's a big Venn diagram circle of those people who this season are being like, we really miss David Louise. There is so much in it it feels like the footballing equivalent of like Tolkien. Yes. There are a load of things to do with David Luiz that you don't really even need in there. Like why, like why develop a fully functional other language or multiple other languages when just because you can, like with Tolkien. You could make one of the world's best sporting documentaries about David Luiz and not have a single second of sporting footage. His journey and what he symbolised on off the field, off the field even, you could do an entire documentary about that. Like it would be compelling to be like, oh, who is this guy? Oh, he also plays football. That's who he is and what he represents. There's arguably no footballer at an elite level who has a bigger gap between their absolute best performance and their absolute worst. David Luiz at his worst, you know, shot of confidence reminds us how difficult the job is of being a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. Peak David Luiz is Champions League final 2012 in Munich and just balling out. Early, 20, early 2014 World Cup, you know, first off that World Cup, you know, first bit, first portion of that World Cup, one of the outstanding players. So yeah, I think that's a great shout at centre-back. Can we put him in? Yeah, let's do it. That's our back four. So from right to left back, Nelson Semedo, Dejan Lovren, David Luiz, Granite Xhaka at left back, yeah. which is such a, such a Musa take. Yeah, it is such a me take. The other yeah, take very, is very yeah. me as well. I'll put this person in midfield quickly as my suggestion. And you might disagree. Are you gonna nick, I think you're going to nick one of mine. Jorginho. Oh. Jorginho. We didn't talk about this on the, on the qualifiers bit, but Jan Sommers leaned to the right as Jorginho was about to kick it. So he thinks he's got, 
very, very clever. I think you'll see a lot of keepers. I think you'll see a lot of keepers copy that now. Yeah. And I think you'll see, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Jorginho's penalty completion, the amount of penalties that he converts. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if you see it drop now, because I think, yeah. I think that got into his, I really think that got into his head. Yeah, yeah. Jorginho is a tricky one, you know, because I am seeing a worrying amount of tweets about him becoming, like winning the Ballon d'Or this year. This is what I'm saying. That's why he's in there. Wow. I think Moose is onto something here. I'm going to put, I'm just going to write him down. Actually, I'm going to write him down because I think, I think you're really onto something. Jorginho is there because I think if you look at, this is a player who, Sarri ball, Sarri ball, you know, can he play a certain way? Can he not play it? Oh, just press him. Then he's easy. He's overrated. He's way underrated. Ah, like his, in terms of the fluctuation and the evaluation of this player and also just the penalty style, like all of it, there's so many things about him as a footballer that get people really excited and excitable in good and bad ways. For me, he's untweetable. Does that make sense? I'm not even going to add to that. Yeah, it makes 100% sense. Um, I have another shout for midfield. Yeah. Fred. Oh. The existentialism that any mention of him creates online is Arsenal Football Club worthy? It is, it is, it, it is. The discourse. Poor Fred. Poor Fred's, Fred pulled, Fred's pulled it back in the last few months. Um, the strong in the, co- then, in the Copa run, yeah. But then he will have a moment like he had against Wolves. That's true, that's true. And it's one of those, it's like Fred could play 20, he could get man of the match for 20 games in a row and he'll have one bad game after that and then people, the same shit comes out. But we've got, because let, 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 I've got another one because it depends if we're playing a four. Meet. Like a, a four, four three, 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 three. See, I, I, I know who mine are. I know who my, I know who my two eights are. Go on, Paul Pogba and Ivan Rakitic. Ivan Rakitic is so spectacularly untweetable that he had is to come out not? and talk about. Oh my God, Ryan, Ryan, let's not have short memories. Ivan Rakitic had an yeah. incredible World Cup twenty eighteen. Arguably, yeah, right. in my opinion, yeah. better, better than Modric. Better than Modric. Yeah, and he wouldn't talk about it. Didn't talk about it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Modric had that. <laughs> I was like, but the, the, his form did really fall off a cliff. It did like, fall off a cliff, but then also he was asked to do so much extra. He was asked to do things that were like way beyond his remit and workload. He came in, he came in and he successfully managed the transition away from, from Xavi. That's incredible. And he didn't get sufficient credit for it. So when he started struggling, people were brutal more than they should have been. And Rakitic had, his basically was never really appreciated. Is he in the disrespected 11 though? He was, wasn't he? Well, he's, he's one of the most disrespected midfielders of like modern times. <laughs> <laughs> Rakitic is so disrespected. Yeah, he did have bad form, but like a lot of players did. A lot of players fell off and he never got, I never felt like he got a reserve of goodwill. This is my thing. He never got that reserve of goodwill where people are like, oh, you know what? He's done a lot. He's being asked to do too much. He'll come good. You know, it was like uh, Marouane Fellaini at United. Fellaini was put in a lot of positions that weren't his fault. And it was always important to remember that this was someone who was basically trying to deliver to the highest degree of competence. In Rakitic's case, his body gave up on him. This man was doing Mm. ridiculous amounts of mileage. Even while he was struggling, he still turned up in big matches. And I'm like, Mm. this player. I I think he's going in. I just feel like, yeah, he has to go in for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Pogba has to go in for me only because Pogba... Even I can't resist tweeting about Pogba. <laughs> I know what is going to come of it, but I still have to get involved with it. It is changing though. It is changing. It is changing. Put it this way, Lukaku would have been in the untweetables two years ago. Yep. But Lukaku, and Lukaku turned it around. So Pogba is transitioning away from untweetable, but he's still untweetable. Okay. So we're we going Jorginho, Rakitic and Pogba? Yes. 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Let's do our front three. Yeah. Where would you like to begin? <laughs> oh, God. Um, There's actually, considering we said that it was going to be all Arsenal players, we've done pretty well. We have, actually, we, yeah, we yeah. Haven't, we've only got one current Arsenal player in that 11 so far. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, well, what we play, I would, I would go for, a, I would go for like a, a ten, and then like two up front. Uh, it doesn't matter. Fuck well, it. We'll, 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 we'll go Garth Crooks on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number nine. I just like to. You going straight in at number nine. Straight in number nine. Yeah. Olivier Giroud is my nine. Ah, uh, see, I disagree now. I disagree. I think, I think he's still there. I think he's still up there. I think he's gone off. But I think if you look at the last, if I look at the last few years and like him as an untweetable. Because I've looked at it, that's what the Rakitic thing, I've looked at over the course of the, the last of few seasons. See, I had another shout for centre forward. Go for it. Timo Werner. Oh my God. Okay, you know, there's no contest, Your Honour. I rest my case. <laughs> because I think, I think Giroud is now at the point where... No, it's not even close. You know what? He's too popular among Arsenal fans. He's too popular among Chelsea fans because I think Chelsea fans appreciated what he did there. Yeah, I think you're right. And also, he looks extremely good in red and, red and black at, at Milan and he's already scoring goals there. So I think Giroud's gone through, he's completed this arc where actually it's kind of like people are a bit like, oh, we may be a little bit harsh on Giroud. Do you know what it is? It's the redemptive arc where there's nothing to redeem. Whereas I think Timo Werner is a lot more divisive. Yes, that's, no, that's very fair. No, that's a much better shout. And also I love that you've put him in his most problematic position for this. Just like yeah, Chaka, I'm not playing him back. off the striker. You're I'm, not, we're, we're, him, we're, yeah. I'm letting him defend for himself. There's, yeah, off the striker, there's consensus. But Timo Werner is a centre forward. Uh, aliens, aliens deciding whether to visit Earth would look at the volcanic activity generated by Tina Moran to centre forward and they would steer clear. They'd be like, we're not landing there today. These lot are too, these lot are too restive. Yeah, like if you're going to be untweetable, I'm going to stick you in a position, I'm going to give you no help and you're going to fend for yourself. Yeah, that's Just, it. That's, that's the most untweetable thing you can do. Yeah. All right. So we have the flanks. Um, do you know what I thought was really interesting though? In midfield, if, we, if we'd done a all-time untweetable 11... It'd just be Lampard, Gerard, and Skulls. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Skulls on the left. Actually, do you know who might be in there? Actually, is Pirlo. Pirlo triggers a, a a big backlash from a lot of people who That's think he was like who think he he wasn't anywhere near as good as he actually was. Yeah, he was ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. So we've got our flanks. Yeah, left wing and right wing, and we we might allow our players to drift. Okay, if we're allowing drifting, Usman Dembele has to be. He was one of mine. I'm going to play him on the right flank. Yep, go for it. It's unfair, but it's also, yeah. It's not, it's not un- all the entries were unfair. That's the point. Oh, yeah. None of this is justified. None of these players in this 11 none, deserve none. the amount of shit that they get online. Yes. They just don't. Yeah. They deserve to be critiqued, for sure. But the amount of... <sighs> this is like Trigger FC, man. Yeah. Trigger United. Trigger United, yeah, that's what it is. It's wow, it's wild. Just Graham Souness is the the club crest. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so Osman Dembele, I mean, it's pretty clear why he's in there. So obviously signed to Barca for more money than they should have paid him. None of which was his fault. Coming in the footsteps of Neymar, which was an awful, awful burden to carry. Leaving his club a year at least too early, maybe two Went years on too early. At Dortmund as well. Yeah, just oh, oh, just, oh, oh, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's like you know, bad advice and all the rest of it. Oh, just ah, oh. oh, getting a lot of to Barcelona. Happy with him playing Fortnite. Yeah, so just oh, you know, and, and God. you know, stories about his diet coming out and all the rest of it, and sacking chefs. You know, these are stories that don't come out if a player is popular. Mm-hmm. There are stories that don't leak about a player if a player is beloved. 
100%. And, and he was never beloved. And we knew too much about him and what he was going on, what was going on with him. So yeah, I think Ousmane Dembele is untweetable, but also uh, is an emblem, again, of, of dysfunction. That is a player that should have been taken care of much better by people around him. And of course, could have taken better care of himself, but fundamentally, he's only 24. So mm. yeah, poignant one there, but I think it had to be Dembele. And the final member of our 11, I think, we saved the best, maybe the most untweetable till last. Ryan, I'll leave this, this most, to you. Is this the most untweetable player of all time? I think probably, yeah. I think probably. You think? I think, I can't name. Just. Okay, because I, so a, a little disclaimer, I thought Actually, that's, that's, not, that's not true, that's not true. Diego Maradona is the most untweetable player of all time, actually. Really? If, there had been a tw- if there had been a Twitter, oh my goodness. Yeah, but there wasn't, so we but, don't know. But of all time, though, of all time, of all time. If we're going into... Pele, probably. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah oh, true. Pele's in hospital at the moment, though. Hope oh no. Uh, yeah. Hope, oh, he's, hope he's okay. Yeah, hope he's through, yeah. Okay, um, well, so the, modern right, times. So the, yeah. Right, the, the thing is, arguably, you could have you, you made a case to play both Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, absolutely. Could have done. Yeah. You could have. Could have. You could have. But I think this player is just because there's the political aspect. There's so much going on here. Yeah, there's a lot going on, man. There's, a, there's, there's the politics, there's the religion, there's, the, there's race, there's, there's the quality, there's, the, there's all of it. There's all of it. There's, there's the peaks, there's the troughs, there's all of it. Go on then. It's Mesut Ozil. <laughs> oh, God. It's unquestionably Mesut Ozil. It's just not even. Where do you even? It feels weird putting him in, putting him in there because obviously, since he went to Fenerbahce, he's kind of not been the focus of a lot of online ire as much. But when when Özil even tweets about what's going on at Arsenal, just the process just changes. Yeah, oh one, fuck, Meza, what are you doing? One tweet will dominate a weekend for Meza Özil. One tweet, like as in oh. Arsenal have a bad defeat, and he doesn't always say anything. When he, no. people are always waiting for the Ozil tweet. People will literally be in the WhatsApp going, when's the Ozil tweet coming? Like that's the power of the Ozil Twitter at this point. Oh my God. Yeah, it is Ozil, isn't it? There's no question. It is Ozil. It is Ozil, unfortunately. I, don't, I still think he's untweetable. He is. He still is untweetable. What Arsenal could have been, should have been, should they have won the Premier League in 2016? You know, that, that and what that does to Arsenal's trajectory. Who knows what that does? Mm. Who knows what that does? And it was all his fault. And then it wasn't his fault. It was all his fault. wasn't his fault. You know, I, I, I love Ozil at Arsenal. Not trying to knock Arsenal fans, but Ozil at Real. We know we said transfers that really <sighs> shouldn't have happened. He oh, was just right. God. He was right. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, one of my, one of my favourite moments of Arsenal fandom is seeing Mesut Ozil playing in an Arsenal shirt. And the day that Mesut Ozil signed, I've said this numerous times before, I think only twice in my life Arsenal have signed my favourite player in the world at that time. Marco of Mars was the first one. Wow. And Mesut Ozil. And that's pretty lucky if you think about it. I mean, I mean, bar Lionel Messi, let's say, because just Messi yeah. was just ungettable. Lights out, yeah. And he was brilliant at moments for Arsenal. I think that a lot of people forget how good he was at various moments. We, we discussed this, I think, in the, in the disrespected 11, but... And for stretches, for stretches of the season was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if they'd won that league title, they would have been the most unpopular winners of a title apart from maybe Spurs. Um, if they'd won in 2016, yeah. but he would have been sealed as an Arsenal legend. He would have been an Arsenal yeah, legend. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No question. Oh, okay. Do we want a manager? Yes, I think we, well, we don't want one. We know we don't want one because it's an untweetable manager, but I think it's got to be him, doesn't it? 
Who? It's got to be Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, how, how is it not? Yeah, how is it not Jose Mourinho? <laughs> oh, Jose. Although Jose's going through the arc at the moment. Yeah, but is this is going? the problem. Uh, exactly, but I still can't work out how well That's he's when going he's at Roma. most dangerous. He's, he's most dangerous. He's at Roma. He's smiling. Everything's lovely, Ryan. Everything is it lovely. like a? Is it like you know when you hear those stories about pet snakes that are really long? Oh my god, it's so funny you mentioned this analogy. Do you know what I was going to think of? I was going to mention it's like a cobra coming to a dinner party and it hasn't bitten anyone yet. And you're like, oh my God, you, you, uh, Mr. Cobra, we invited you. You haven't bitten anyone yet. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm still having some canapes. Don't, give, yeah. give, me, give, me, give me 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just letting myself in. <laughs> a couple of glasses of Prosecco in and he's just Screech. like, Screech. Yes. <laughs> spitting at everyone in the eyes. Everyone's... <laughs> I told you not to give the cobra Prosecco. You know what he's like on Prosecco. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is, he is still, he is a cobra at the dinner party, still in the canopy eating phase. That is what's happening. Uh, See, my analogy was, uh... (laughs) that's why I both thought of snakes. (laughs) When you hear those stories about like, I should clarify, this is a total urban myth, by the way, it's been debunked many times, but the story is, um, I don't know if you've heard this, but basically when you have l- big snakes, there have been stories a couple of times where people wake up in the night and they're actually just laying on the floor next to the bed <laughs> in a straight line. And they're very calm. They don't move. They're not threatening you or anything like that. But what they're actually doing is they're sizing you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jose is very much like, oh, isn't Jose being all calm and... It's very calm and docile at the moment, but what he's actually doing is he's, he's going to eat you. You know, you know it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible analogy. You imagine like every time Mourinho watches a game, you know the Serie A logo, so I put it inside the pitch. Mourinho walking up for each game and just lying down next to the Serie A logo, and just in a straight line, just sizing up like, how much I'm of this league am I going how to eat? This, yeah. <laughs> can I eat? How much of this league can I swallow? Can I reliably world? digest? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Ryan. You've dropped many brilliant analogies in this podcast, but that is maybe the best one. I don't know, man. I like the, I like the, the pissed cobra at the party. That's just the, <laughs> do you know what I was just thinking? The replies to football clubs when they announce the team sheet. Yeah. Can you imagine if a club announced this 11? Today's starting 11. Loris Karius, Nelson Semedo, Granit Xhaka, Dejan Lovren, David Luiz, Jorginho, Ivan Rakitic, Paul Pogba, Usman Dembele, Meza Ozil, and Timo Werner. Just imagine the replies. <laughs> Finished club. Do the best club social account would tweet it saying, only people mentioned in this can reply. Yeah, they would turn the replies off. Turn the replies off. And then, and then it'd be like, you coward. There'd be all these tweets going, you coward, open your replies, open your replies. And then after five minutes of the team sheet, lock the account. So everyone's just sharing, <laughs> everyone's just sharing screenshots. <laughs> if this was the starting 11 of a football club, they would have to make their account private. Look, look, make, make the account private. They would absolutely have to make their account private. It would be the first professional football club in the world. To lock the account. Do you know what? It would probably be Arsenal. It would have to be. It would have to be. They'd just post the team sheet being like today's team sheet with the like hand over your mouth emoji. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then post that like beneath it, the Jack Nicholson reaction gift. It's the nod, like yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh god, oh, god. These poor, poor players, man, and they're well, all very, very good footballers. Amazing. That's the thing. Yeah, they have yeah. to be amazing footballers, otherwise, to get they to that level. Be in yeah, here. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have to be an amazing footballer for people to care enough to to be that angry about you online when anyone mentions your name. Uh, the writer, brilliant writer, Sean Norris, she's got a great book coming out, actually. Um, Sean Norris, who writes at Byline Times, had a tweet the other day saying, you know, people that write extensive amounts saying how they don't care, very much do care. Oh, <laughs> I feel the, greatest, the care. greatest tribute to these players is people really care about you. They really They do. really, really care about you. <laughs> they really, really care about them. And we care about them. And we've yeah. had... And to be fair, we've had these, all of these players, the great thing about this 11 is that all of these players have brought us a hell of a lot of collective joy. I can, you know, it's funny. If I look at all of these players, I can name performances of which they were part that gave yep. me great joy, like in a positive sense. I can yep. name like each one of them was central to performance, a game they played where I'm like, they were absolutely brilliant today, indisputably, you know, one of the best teams in the world, each, uh, every single one of them. And they played a central role in this game. So yeah, shout out to them. I enjoyed that, man. That was nice. Yeah, great fun. Uh, should we bounce? Let's do it. Let's do it. We hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can. Yeah, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. You can check us on Twitter at Stadio, on Instagram at Stadio Football. And yeah, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros and you'll find the playlist of everything we play out on. We're playing out today with a tribute to Michael Kenneth Williams. He used to be a dancer and he's a big house guy. Yeah. We decided to play out on Distant Planet by Fingers Inc. Anything to add, Musa? No, we're all good. We're all good. Uh, much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. And we'll be back on Monday.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.